Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast that explores the feminine genius. When I was a sophomore in college, I was sitting in retreat surrounded by other college students who had lived with me and ate with me and prayed with me over the past couple days of retreat. And we were reflecting on just the things that the Lord had placed in our heart um, during that retreat. By the time the conversation got to me, the one thing that was sitting on my heart that had been like stirring in my heart those past few days was this realization that I didn't have it together. And I'm totally a perfectionist type A personality who thought that the success of my life was determined by how much I had my stuff together. And sitting there in retreat with these, with these men and women taught me the fact that like no one has it together, that we are all messy that we are all messy and that we don't have to have it together to come to the Lord. That in fact, Jesus wants us in our brokenness. He wants our broken hearts. He wants, he's a divine healer. He can help us put, to, put our lives together. Um, and, and a thing that helps in this process of, of going through our lives and seeing where we are wounded and seeing where we are broken is this, the idea of virtue, the idea of virtue and, and balance and healthy balance. And this is Virtue is something that plays a role in every single one of our lives, right? Regardless of where you're at in your state of life, dear listener, like if you are single, if you're a single woman, virtue is for you. If you are a woman in a season of relationship, virtue is for you. If you are a woman in the throes of an engagement, virtue is for you. If you are a Catholic wife, virtue is for you. If you're a mama living the mom life, virtue is for you. Like regardless of where you're called to, if Jesus is putting a call in your heart that you're called to be his bride, a life of virtue is still something that that he's calling you to. And so this letter is really a letter to the woman who who doesn't have it all together. And right, the reality and the irony of that is, is that none of us have it together. We're human, human being, human condition, we're all pretty dang messy. Um, so I cannot wait to share with you a letter that really spoke to my heart, one that I needed to hear, will need to hear repeatedly, will definitely be putting this one on the queue uh, to go back and listen to multiple times throughout my life. So I cannot wait to share our conversation with myself um, and a woman who has played an incredible role in my life. Today's episode is sponsored by Thriving in the Trenches podcast. If you are looking for other podcasts to explore the feminine genius with, I cannot recommend Thriving in the Trenches enough. Through Thriving in the Trenches, you'll journey with Megan Schreiber and Becky Carter. They are beautiful women, encouraging joy, equipping other women to just universally serve Jesus and his call that he's placed on your heart to live out your feminine vocation. You will love their episodes. They're filled with joy. They're filled with laughter. These women live a life of freedom and friendship. These women are seeking to thrive in the trenches of their domestic churches. We are welcoming to the show Sarah Swafford. Sarah, if there was a list of women who I had to put together who have who their words have like greatly impacted my life as a Catholic woman, like you are definitely on that list. So it is such an honor to have you on the show today. Thanks for coming on. Oh my gosh, you are so sweet. That is so nice. I, you know, I'm kind of crazy and I just like throw stuff out there. So the fact that the Holy Spirit made it make sense in in any way, like praise God, that is awesome. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Can you tell us a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman, Catholic wife, Catholic mama? Oh my goodness. Yes. I mean, do you have eight hours, right? So, um, So good. Well, First of all, we're both Kansas girls. How we fun is that? Are. So, um, yeah, I was born and raised in the, in Kansas. Dorothy Toto, Sarah Swafford, <laughs> you know, all the good stuff. Um, we, I actually, my mom and dad went to Benedictine College, okay. so um, they are alums from there, just like me. So I grew up in small town Kansas. Absolutely loved it, and um, I had an amazing experience. Um, I actually went to a little farm school. Uh, I was. I was bullied so bad in seventh grade that I had to switch schools and it was ended up being just a huge blessing in, in my life because mm-hmm. I got put with some amazing um, people and just this sort of, I graduated with 18 in my high school class, which wow. is really fun. So yeah. um, 
and just really had an amazing experience. You know, high school has its own drama. Everyone has, no one escapes junior high and high school without any drama. So, so but really going uh, to Benedictine is where I had my conversion. Mm -hmm. Um, I I should say reversion. I was uh, born and raised Catholic, but it's where I really found my faith and, um, Really started taking classes uh, from Dr. Shree, Dr. Ted Shree. Yep. Um, I'm sure some of your listeners know him. He's the godfather of my oldest son, Thomas, him and his Aww. wife, Beth. I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for the Shrees uh, and Benedictine. And just, uh, I also was a counselor at Camp Tekawitha all four summers yeah. of college. Um, so shout out to Camp Tekawitha. Uh, <laughs> so like the formation that I received in, in college was huge. Mm. Um, and so, and then that's where I met, uh, Benedictine is where I met my husband. Uh, Swaf. Uh, his name's Andy. Uh, this, he's a theology professor at Benedictine, teaches scripture and morality and all the fun stuff. So Doc Swaf and I got <laughs> married. Um, yeah, his name's Andy. Everyone calls him Swaf. Swaf Daddy, P. Diddy Swaf. Uh, I always joke with people, my favorite is David Hassel Swaf. He's a very good looking man. He's a very holy, very good looking man. Um, I always tell people I'm well aware. He's just fantastic. So, uh, But we've been married It'll be 13 years this summer, oh, congratulations. Um, but we look 12, so it really throws people off. So um, we look really young, which is like really hard for people to understand. When I go to Walmart with my four kids, they're like, are you babysitting? I'm like, no, I remember having all of them very vividly. So um, yeah, but it's, it's fantastic because the Lord gives us like a youthful heart. And um, I always say that we live about a mile up from campus at Benedictine. And so... Um, my, my youthful heart is has always been attached to ministry. And I was in college, we went around and did confirmation retreats for students. And I just really fell in love with, with ministry. And um, so when we came back to Benedictine from Chicago, after my husband got his doctorate, mm-hmm. there was a job opening and um, we were so pumped to apply. And Andy became a professor, but there was an, also a job opening for a dorm director, mm-hmm. uh, like a residence hall director. And so yeah. I think if anybody out there has read my book, they know the story that uh, I actually lived, we lived in the dorms for three years with 142 freshmen, 18-year-old college women. Um, and that just gave me a front row seat to yeah. what it's like to transition from high school to college. Um, it is messy. And and everyone jokes like, oh, so you got to know the women really well. It's like, hi, where there are 142 women, there's at least 142 men. I got to know <laughs> the men just as well. Uh, and my husband and I just really fell in love with um with like, you know, them as the friends. It was, you know, it was almost like we had all these little brothers and sisters that we just adored. And then we had these two little boys. Uh, the, the boys were very young. Um, when I started doing ministry, uh, Kate was born uh, right in the midst of, of kind of like everything uh, there at the dorms. And so it was just really beautiful. They loved my kids. We loved them. Uh, but we got to really sort out life and uh, that my ministry started actually by a bunch of girls that were just like, you've got to start, you got to get up and give a talk about this. And, Cause I was, t- I was doing a lot of one-on-one coffees and things like that. Yep. Um, and doing a lot of like cookie dough around my kitchen Island. Yep. And it was like, dude, I would say the same thing to like 20 of you that I would say to like, you know, 2000 of you. And that's right. been the joke is, um, people will like joke with me. They'll be like, have you always wanted to be a motivational speaker? I'm like, are you joking? Like, I don't, I didn't, I used to like, I couldn't even read at mass without shaking. Like, I'm just like not a public speaker. I've never taken a class. I've never, I have no degrees in that. I I mean, it's just like the Lord kind of said, like, I want you to say what you're saying in these one-on-ones to 
high schools and to colleges and Newman centers. And I want you to go to a Steubenville and I want you to just like say what you're saying in private and public. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so I don't have any polish. I say like, and you know, and right and uh-huh and amen. <laughs> and I say all the things you're not supposed to say. <laughs> um, so I always joke like WYSIWYG, like what you see is what you get with Sarah Swafford. And I, I, I would say it's a compliment to me that when mm-hmm. people are like, dude, I feel like you're talking to me from stage. Like you're looking at me and you're talking to me. Um, when you're up there, like, I feel like I'm the only person in the room and I'm like, dude, that is exactly what I want. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's really beautiful. And and that's why it's always kind of, um, kind of funny just how the Lord weaves your life. And, um, as an old lady, you know, I'm, I'm about to be 35. So I know a lot of your listeners are like really cool and young and very hip. And I hope they can help me and give me tips. Um, but like as a young lady, like as a young woman, you know, you look at your life and you go. I mean, you question God at every turn. You're like, what are you doing? Are right. you, re- are you kidding me? Like, right. I mean, like, are you not listening to me? Do you not know what I want? Like, do you not know my heart? Yep. And I remember being exactly in that position and just like questioning the Lord a lot and just, dude, I'm being patient, dude, I'm being virtuous. Like trying all the things you're like, supposed to be doing. I'm like going to mass. I'm, you know, and like, do you not know the desires of my heart? And mm-hmm. that's one thing that I can really look back from my testimony and just say, um, as a type A perfectionistic people pleaser who really struggles with anxiety and uh, a plan uh, and control, just being able to look at my life and say, oh my gosh, like you know the desires of my heart and you are constantly weaving and you're constantly answering my prayers and I just need to sit back and trust and know that you've got this all figured out. Mm-hmm. And um, that's just, a, that's a word that if I get anybody in my presence, you know, I just always say like, look, he has got this and he has got you. And even when it feels, you know, suffering and trials and confusion and breakups and homesickness and friends, um, betraying you and just in despair and grief and struggle, like he's got all of that and he Mm -hmm. works through all Mm -hmm. of it. And my life is a testimony to that. And, um, and then he asks me to share that with others because it just, the world is loud and we just have to be louder. Yep. Yep. Oh, that's so true and beautiful. I remember when I first encountered you, it was at Seek 2015 um, mm. in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, mm. And I remember sitting in the, in the audience. Yeah. Was, yeah. I yeah. <laughs> I remember sitting in the audience of, in a women's session and in a breakout talk and being, yeah, having that same experience. Like, gosh, you know, Jesus, like, this is a message that like you're speaking to my heart. And, um, the topic that you were speaking on was emotional virtue, emotional chastity. And that's kind of become like a buzzword in today's Catholic culture. But I remember sitting in that um, seat. I was a junior in college and being just like so aware of how I was using the men in my life, like totally using them um, emotionally and, and looking, looking at them as potentials instead of brothers in Christ. And when you gave that talk, it challenged me. And I, I had to, I changed so many of my relationships with the men in my life and, and the women in my life too, um, because of, of like where I was led to the Lord in prayer, like after listening to your talk on, on emotional virtue. So for those who haven't encountered the phrase emotional virtue, like, can you share what that is and, and why it's important in our lives as Catholic women, like kind of regardless of our stage of life, like both of us are married, you're a mom to little people, but how emotional virtue still plays a role in our lives as Catholic mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so glad we have eight more hours for me to answer that. That's so good Um, because that is really how long it takes. Uh, It's really funny. So emotional chastity, Mm -hmm. emotional virtue, um, the devil, the devil really like for years, probably a good two years, Mm -hmm. um, I refused to 
like I didn't even want to do like this was not the topic I wanted to even approach because mm-hmm. it is so misunderstood and yep. it is so hated. Yep. And um and I was like, no, I'm good. I don't want to <laughs> talk about that. Like I, I think I would rather talk about anything else, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and so it was really funny because I got called out uh by a friend who told me I was a coward. Mm-hmm. Um because she's, she basically was like, you are the only one that I know that can do this with love and with understanding. Because sometimes when it comes across from other people, it is, it, it is, uh, it just isn't easily digestible. So I guess let's start with this. I don't use the term emotional chastity. Mm -hmm. Um, if you watch me, I, I, I use emotional virtue and here's why emotional chastity in our day and age, people think chastity means abstinence. Right. And so they think I'm talking about emotional abstinence or Mm -hmm. people are talking about emotional abstinence, which Mm -hmm. makes everybody throw up flags and throw tomatoes, which I completely agree with. Right. So, cause again, chastity isn't just abstinence, mm-hmm. um, because there's chastity in marriage, which is a whole nother podcast. Okay. Yep. So yep. basically just trying to understand and trying to show people like, no, 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 no. It's not, not having emotions. It's not, sur- it's definitely not suppressing your emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, I always tell people we're human beings, right? So we like to work in extremes. And so our extremes are like with the, with our emotional lives, it's like, hi, over on this extreme, uh, you know what? Like I've been hurt and I've been wounded and I've been broken. And you know what? Like I, I just, I hate that I'm an emotional being. And so I'm just going to suppress and I'm going to push down and I'm going to eliminate all emotion so that I never have to feel again mm-hmm. because I'm just done with this. So like, there's one side of, of the extreme. And then the other extreme is like high emotions and passions and feelings. You know what? It's way more fun and it's way more comfortable to let you just completely run the show and I'm exhausted. And so I'm just going to let you run my life and I just don't even care anymore. Yep. Um, and so like when I, when I look at both extremes, I, I have been both extremes and I have, shoot, I have lived both extremes in the same day Mm -hmm. as a, as a woman, Mm -hmm. right? Like, so I think that we look at that and we say, okay, so the emotions and the passions, they are real, they are there and they are messy, but no one's talking about them. So, so what happened was, is I started seeing in the dorms, you know, I'd have girls that would, you know, say things like, I mean, let's be real. They were like, um, they were like emotionally dating people or mentally dating people, but that person didn't even know they were interested in them. Right. Or they were like emotionally married to people, um, you know, like things like that. But then I also would have guys come to me and say things like, well, if I'm not touching her, I'm not using her. Mm -hmm. And I was like, uh, 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 that that's a problem. Right. Right. Like I'm sitting there trying to like take in all of these conversations. And I was really, really dumbfounded by, um, the fact that, dude, okay. Like we know that you're not supposed to physically use people. Like we know that you're not supposed to sleep around and like, you know, good Catholic people are like, yeah, I know what, what chastity kind of means, mm-hmm. but like there is a whole nother ball game being played up in your head and up in your heart with the emotions and with the passions and feelings and the way that you perceive and the way that you look at life and the way that you encounter people. And then when I was in the dorms, it was the the, right when social media and texting came out. So there is no coincidence that the Lord had me right where I was supposed to be. Because when that all hit the scene, I was watching people have, I had, I was watching women have six or seven guys on standby emotionally invested and not even seeing them in person, not even dating them. And I had guys who were emotionally and physically, you know, invested into these relationships emotionally. And, you know, and, and, and these people weren't even, I mean, they were nowhere even near dating, you know, it was not even a thing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, 
shoot, that's another podcast too. Does dating exist? Okay. Hi. Um, so anyway, like we, we basically, I started looking at this and I was like talking to my husband. I was like, dude, this is going to change dating forever. So I started talking about this whole emotional side of relationships and, um, it got to the point where, it blogging came out as well, which mm-hmm. I didn't even know what a blog was, but people were, I gave a talk on campus at Benedictine and mm-hmm. I thought like a few people would show up and like 300 women came. And then like a week later, well, and then the guys were like, shoot, why you didn't invite us. That was a women's only talk. Where's oh. the guy talk? So I was like, <laughs> hold on. So I, I created content for a guy talk, um, which was basically everything the women were telling me, I, you know, I, like I always say, don't shoot the messenger. I basically hold the hand of men and women and have a conversation that they would rather eat their arm off than, than have. Um, but I'm kind of, again, I'm the old lady that I'm just like telling you what the other, what the opposite sex is saying so that we can figure this out, you know? And so it just became really obvious very quickly that this was a conversation that people were having, but weren't having. And so, um, so there's a lot of hate for emotional virtue and a lot of hate for emotional, uh, chastity, but I always use the Fulton Sheen quote of like, you know, there are tens of thousands of millions of people who hate the Catholic church. Mm -hmm. Um, but very few people hate what they like, they don't understand what the Catholic church actually stands for. Um, and when they finally figure it out, they're like, Oh, I don't actually hate the church. You know, it's like, Oh, okay. So like the part of writing the book was trying to get clarity on what this actually is. It took me 158 pages. And that's why, um, you know, I, I could go on for days on what it is and what it isn't. Mm -hmm. So I always try to tell people like, Hey, real quick, before you hate on it, just understand that all it is, is basically saying, I take my emotions and passions and I hand them to the Lord. And I say, I want to harness them and order them and train them and have control over them so that they don't control me. Mm -hmm. I want you to redeem my emotional life. I want you to redeem my self-worth, my insecurities, my fears, where I work out of wounds, I want you to redeem that, Lord, because otherwise I risk going into these extremes of I don't care. Let's just throw it to the wind or I don't want these and I'm going to bury them so deep that even you, Lord, can't find them. Right. And um, so I, I really am just working on virtue, which is virtue is the mean. It's the balance. It's the middle. It's the, hey, we have emotions and we have passions and we need to figure out how to order them to, like towards the Lord and give them to him and say, I'm surrendered. I, I know my worth as a beloved daughter of God, as a, a beloved son of God. Um, whether, you know, God, I love the quote, God doesn't love me because I'm good. God loves me because he's good. Right. And the, the value of my life and the amount he loves me does not go up or down based on my performance. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, that's a that's a spoken word that came into my life recently. And I was like, yes, yep. like I struggle with that so much. Uh, as a woman. And I think everybody struggles with that, like as a human being and, um, and really looking at the emotional life and looking at virtue and saying, I want all of this to flow out of my love for the Lord and out of my firm commitment that I believe and I have confidence that I'm a daughter of God and that Mm -hmm. I'm loved Mm -hmm. not for what I do, but for who I am. And, um, so that's like the kind of the gist of it. And then relationships, once you have a firm, I, I kind of joke that if you get emotional virtue, you typically are going to get chastity and mm-hmm. just the, like the sexual side. Um, so much of our sexual side flows from our sensual side, from the emotions and the sentimental side. Right. Um, so I think it's one of those things where people are like, oh, you're a chastity speaker. I'm like, well, I'm a chastity speaker, but I actually don't talk about sex that much. So I don't know if I'm actually like I'm a chastity speaker, but I'm like the pregame. I joke that I'm like the pregame. 
So like I, I'm kind of the person that gets it all figured out so that we can like order, order the beauty of sex. Right. Um, and so, but Jason Everett saw me on, uh, life on the rock one night with mm-hmm. Christina and they basically were like, this is the, like, this is the piece of the puzzle that we like want in chastity project. And so they were forming right. chastity project. And, um, it was basically, it was funny. You said feminine genius, because that's what Jason kept saying. He's like, this is feminine genius because I can't talk about this because right. I'm not, I'm not coming at it from a, the perspective of a woman who mm-hmm. we are beautiful complex emotional beings that's what makes us so amazing and that's what makes us feminine geniuses Mm -hmm. and uh so to be able to like talk to that has been just speak to that has been so cool and then you know my life's uh goal and it's become very apparent to me recently um and one of my things that i just one of the things i just love about my ministry is the fact that the men latch on to it um and like because because i mean women you know we i stand in lines with women hundreds of thousands of women who are just like where, who am I going to marry if I'm called to marriage? And like, where are the men going to come from? And what is going on here? And so to be able to speak to the men, um, I just found out yesterday that I'm actually giving a, a breakout um, at Seek 2019 that is for men only. That's awesome. Uh, so they asked me to give a men's only talk. So if everyone out there just wants to start praying for that right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm do, I'm going to do the morning session with the women. I'm on the relationships today. So mm-hmm. I get to I get to be with the women uh as well, but they they really wanted me to do a men's talk and I was like, "Oh my mercy, what is that going to look like?" So I can't <laughs> wait. Uh I can't wait to see what the Holy Spirit's going to open up for that. But but yeah, I, that that's been kind of one of the joys of my ministry is is watching people say, um, "Oh yeah, like emotions. That's like a female thing, right? Like you just do women's mm-hmm. ministry and it's like, mm-hmm. "Hi, men are emotional beings as well. And they play so huge into the game of the female emotions. And so I'm just like jazzed. I feel like the Lord has really illuminated my mind on just like what he wants me to do. And the fact that we're attacking this from the male and female perspective, um, I think is really fun. And I'm excited to see him open up, you know, emotional virtue to, you know, it's been open up to the men, but doing identity and healing and wounds and things like that. I've been really called. I feel really called to attack this, um, together with the men and the women, and we can learn so much from each other. Mm-hmm. And that's been so fun to watch the Lord kind of surprise me in that way. Cause I, I didn't know he was going to do that. And it's been really beautiful. Hey listeners, this is Becky Carter. And this is Megan Schreiber. We are the co-host of Thriving in the Trenches podcast. We are sponsoring today's interview with Sarah Swafford. Why? Well, simply because we are women encouraging women. Women encouraging women in our walk with Jesus Christ. Women encouraging women as we navigate our feminine vocation. So come and join us at Thriving in the Trenches podcast. Where you'll find joy, laughter, freedom, and even friendship. Find us on iTunes or at thrivinginthetrenches.com. I love it. I love how this is just such a, like a conversation about balance, like about how virtue stands in the middle. Like our bodies aren't bad. Our emotions aren't bad. Like they're supposed to be integrated. We're supposed to be able to view each other like as brothers and sisters, as like whole human beings with bodies and souls. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Um, Mm -hmm. when it comes to like emotional chastity in a relationship, like we've, we kind of tapped on this and this is a huge question that like you've said before, like we could take 24 hours to dig into this. Um, what, because we've lost it in our culture, what is like a good balanced natural progression of a relationship? Like I've been in the like 
dating in my mind only. He doesn't know who I am. I'm mentally stalking him. I'm physically stalking him. I'm Facebook stalking him. And then I've been on the other side, you know, through like God's grace, like in a really beautiful, virtuous relationship. But what does that look like? If you were to give like a, a timeline of a snapshot of, of a the natural progression of a relationship with like holiness and virtue in mind, what would you, what would you say? Yeah. Great question. Um, again, so glad I have eight hours. Um, so <laughs> my very last chapter of the book is called the natural progression relationship. And I love that that's what you just called it. And that's what you see it as because, um, that's one of the things that in the intro to my book, I actually wrote a line that says, please do not jump to the last chapter on relationships. <laughs> um, because I know that's how women work. They're like, Oh, well, I'm just going to go to the last page and be like, how do I date? Um, and I, cause I'm the same way, right? Yep, like, we're yep. like, yeah, get to the good, get to Guilty. the good stuff, Sarah. So, um, so it's actually chapter 12. Uh, and the reason why I have that there is <laughs> the reason why I told them you have to start at the beginning and read the whole thing <laughs> is because everything that you and I just talked about, even in this podcast is like the firm foundation that you have to put it on. Right. So, so a natural progression of a relationship, um, that I have in my book, you know, the world's, the world's version is like meet, hook up, move in together. It's messy, whether it ends in marriage or not, we don't know, but it's really messy. Yep. Um, and so, and, and, and again, like there is a lot of conversation out there on whether or not dating even exists anymore. Yeah. Um, and whether or not, what does that look like? And uh, like the dating project, you know, there's that movie coming yeah. out that's like, yeah. um, do people even know how to date each other anymore? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, I, and, I, and it's really good for me. And, and I stay, I, you know, I always say I'm not a hater, right? So like people will say, oh, social media, oh, online dating, oh, people get all like stressed out and been out of shape. And I'm like, look, it's not going away. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Like, we can embrace the goods of the world as long as our feet are firmly planted on truth and virtue and goodness and our hearts yep. burn for Jesus Christ. Yep. So like, if you've got all that set up, then let's go from there. So that's why I make everybody read the first 11 chapters of my book, which is, you know, really sorting through some of that so right. that when you get to a place, you know, one of my, in my women's talks, I always say like, when that special guy, if you're called a marriage and that special guy comes along and falls in love with you, who is he going to be falling in love with? Right. Do you know who you are? Right. And so that is like my disclaimer always um, before I get into any kind of dating talk, you know, drama free dating or whatever talk I'm giving is I always give this like 10 minute, you know, disclaimer of like um, it all boils down to the fact that uh, a lot of times women look to the opposite sex. Um, they look to men to be their savior and to be their idol and to be their God. And, and they look to men and they say, fill me up, take away every insecurity, make me feel whole, make me find my worth, make me know that I am loved and cherished. And when you make a human person, your God or your savior, you will always end up disappointed and you will always crush them under the weight of that because they cannot be your God. And when I say that from stage, I just see women just, they look at me like, usually like, oh crap, like I felt, which is like, I've done that how many times in my life and how many times can I give you? And I I mean, again, I stand up on stage speaking from experience, not from, you know, I'm speaking from like lived knowledge and, and I, and I stand before men and women and I say, look, like this is just this is, we all struggle with it, you know, and, and, and there's times even in relationships that are good and holy and pure where you look to the other person and you say like, I need you to be my everything, you know? And then that person looks back at you and says like, I, I'm not, I can't, you know? And, um, and so just like ordering where the Lord 
is in your life, where he dwells, where he ranks, where he, you know, all these things that, um, you know, and, and putting yourself together as a whole person. Uh, so a lot of times people will hide behind emotional virtue and or hide behind emotional chastity and say like, you know, oh, I'm, you know, I, I can't date you because I'm working on, you know, this or whatever. And, and it makes men so mad. Um, and it's like, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say don't hide behind emotional virtue, hide behind the fact that you're like, I am putting myself together and I want the Lord to be the Lord and King of my life. And I can't run with you until I'm running towards him. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I think a lot of women, um, you know, it's like, look, I'm not ready for this yet. And I think it's really beautiful to step back and say, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm putting priorities where they need to be. Um, and so when I go through the book, I always talk about, you know, those steps. And the first step is always having our our Lord as the King and Lord of your life, because then you're in a a position where you're not going to run to someone to be your savior. You can have that person. You're never going to find the perfect person. You're going to find the perfect person for you. Mm -hmm. And you're not perfect either. You're a mess as well. So everyone's just a mess, right? (laughs) So it's really like looking at the person and saying, love me in my mess. Mm -hmm. Help me to run towards Christ. Run alongside me. So that we don't run towards each other, but right. we run towards the Lord mm-hmm. side by side. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where beautiful relationships happen. And I mean, this is all spelled out in the book really slowly. And so, um, or like really, I go, I put a lot of thought into this part because right. um, it's messy. And I do a lot with breakups and I do a lot with rejection, high rejection, high, whole hate rejection. It's the worst, but like it's part of our stories yep. and it's, and the Lord works through that and it stinks and it's awful. And I won't sit on this other side of the podcast and be like, Oh, it's fine. Rejection's great. It's like, no, it's the worst. Yep. And it is, it is, it is just a part of life that the Lord works through Mm -hmm. and you will see it on the other side redeemed. But, but I work through that in the book. So I talk about acquaintances, like, Mm -hmm. hi, nice to meet you. I talk about the true friendship piece, which is what you said so beautifully in the opening of just really looking at the men in your life and saying, you are like, you're like my dear brother in Christ. And I see you as a man of integrity and a man of faith who is battling a battle that I will never understand, mm-hmm. but I respect that battle mm-hmm. and I am not going to be an obstacle to that emotionally or physically. I am going to be like a warrior going to battle with you as your sister in Christ. Right. And when you start running in friend groups like that, where the women run with the eyes towards like, these are my sisters in Christ that I'm going to be vulnerable with and I'm going to yes. hold accountable to, I'm yep. going to be accountable to. And like, I'm going to love on you. Like you've never been loved before because Christ is the root of our friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like I could talk for days about that. And then I could talk to, for days about what it's like for women in that, in that group to be able to run with men like that. Right. And this kind of, this kind of touches on why I got so fired up earlier about my excitement that the men are up for this and are like excited to like run with this because I hear so many women who are like, I got my girlfriends. We just don't know any guys. Mm-hmm. Like we can't find a group of guys to go to coffee with or to go to a movie with or to go cosmic bowling with or to do anything with. Um, and so like my life's goal is to continue to make these, you know, tribes, squads, I don't know what the men call it, war band of brothers, you know, we're going to figure out a word that's really masculine for whatever it is that they call it. Um, but like, you know, finding like a group of men that you can like go to battle with, because it's a lot easier for a group of women to be friends the way I'm talking about with a group of men mm-hmm. versus the whole, like a girl walking up to a guy and being like, Hey, uh, one-on-one let's run. It just, it, it gets really, it gets like gray area is what I call it in the book. You know, it's hard. It's like, Okay, well, am I, is this friends with benefits? Is it friends with emotional benefits? Mm-hmm. Is it like me? Are you going to fall in love with me? Or are you going to fall in love with, with Jesus Christ? You know, like, I don't right. want you to make me your God. It's a lot easier in groups to be able to keep those things kind of 
okay, I, I see where this is going. This is, there's accountability in a group. Um, there's very little accountability on Snapchat and text yeah. and the one-on-one or meeting someone and getting their number. Your best friend might not know that you're quote unquote talking to someone for weeks mm-hmm. over social media or text. There's no accountability there. Right. Um, versus you've introduced this guy to your friends and they like can help you sort out your emotions and can hold you accountable to like, whether it's physical chastity or emotional chastity or emotional virtue, what I call it, you know, like whatever. Um, there's just strength in there's strength in those friendship groups. So I call that true friends. Uh, there's a lot more to be said about that one. That's one of the most important steps. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I go dating or I guess stating your intentions is next, uh, defining the relationship, yes. having a DTR. It sounds funny. It sounds cheesy. It's actually super important. Uh, it's where the guy and girl both state their intentions, um, and say like, I can see this going somewhere. Like I'm, I'm not going to be gray area with you. I want to, I want to define this. I'm not going to be in emotional limbo with you for six months. Mm-hmm. You're not one of three girls that I'm talking to. Um, you know, just like there's, oh gosh, there's just a lot to be said there. And so yeah. dating, you know, stating your intentions, having a DTR, uh, is number three. And then number four is dating. Number five is courting or yeah, is courting, dating then courting. And the reason why a lot of people are like, oh, dating and courting, that's like the same thing. Right. And I'm like, well, maybe once upon a time, but for our 21st century purposes, there has to be a difference between dating and courting. Um, dating is, Hey, I'd really like to get to know you better without, you know, stating your intentions. I'd love to get to know you better without our other, like, you know, 20 friends around. Would you like to go, you know, go grab coffee or would you like to go, um, you know, go work a soup kitchen with me? Or do you want to, I mean, I don't know what it is, but like, right. Hey, do right. you, I want to get to know you better without everyone around, mm-hmm. but there's a, a ton of, there's a ton of firm foundation there that you've already, you know, I joke in my book, like you can learn more from one night out with friends than you will ever learn on a blind date. Or on a date, you know, three dates because you watch how they interact with the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. You watch how they treat women that they're not interested in. You watch how they interact with other men. You watch how they interact with even just people in general, right? Right. Right. So, like, you learn a lot from that. Um, So, dating is, hey, I'd like to get to know you better without the other 20 people around. Courting is, hey... I, you know, so, so dating is like, I think you're the kind of person I could see myself with mm-hmm. courting is, Hey, I think you might be the person I'm called to marry slight difference, right? Depends on who you are. That's a joke. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> hopefully people caught my cart, my sarcasm, right? Like dating is you're the kind of person I could see myself marrying. Courting is you might be the person that mm-hmm. I could see myself marrying like you. Mm-hmm. There's a huge difference between the two of those. So what right. happens in relationships, typically 21st century style is people get asked a coffee. Women get asked a coffee and they're like, dude, this is it. Mm -hmm. Like I am getting married. He's the one we're going to coffee. Right. Like, um, and, and again, it takes guys like two or three weeks to get the courage to ask someone to coffee. And they've, they're trying to lay a ton of groundwork, just getting to know you as friends. Like, so it's, it's kind of an emotional perception that we have to try to really work on, which is, I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of casual dating because casual dating in my mind is you like go to a bar, like, you know, someone, you meet someone at a bar and you like go on a date or casual dating is like, I don't know if I'd really see myself ending up with you, but like, I'll go find out by one blind date or one like random date. It's like, no dude, invite him into your friend group because you know what I mean? Like invite him into the the crew because nine times out of 10, you're going to want this guy to be a part of that crew for his own sake. So Jesus can love him through that crew uh, through that squad, through that tribe, he needs that. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you guys run off and like start dating one-on-one, you skip a ton of 
little right. like checks and balances and accountability. You just kind of run through that barrier mm-hmm. of like where I think the Lord really sets up amazing ways for you all to grow together mm-hmm. and for him to get some great guy friends. And right. for, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Right. So, so courting and then engagement and, and marriage. And, you know, I always joke with people, I'm like, do engagements get called off? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, should more engagements get called off? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I always say like engagement is the great discernment. It's right. all the marital problems without the marital benefits. Like mm-hmm. it's where you start to merge two lives and you see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it's really hard because, you know, I always say in our day and age, what's what's harder to call off a wedding or to get a divorce? It is harder to call off a wedding yep. than it is to get a divorce right now. Yep. And that screams we have some work to do in mm-hmm. the dating field and in the relationship field because people they get engaged and they're like, I have a ring. We, ha- we you know, let's get a plant. Let's get a dog. We're our, jo- our bank accounts are joint. We're already living together. We're already sleeping together. Like what, what is the big deal? Like, let's go. Mm-hmm. And they, they run through all these, what could be red flags where the Lord is saying, Hey, I don't know. I don't know. Like, but you're so blind to seeing some of those caution flags. Um, that, and, and, and you don't want to call off a wedding cause then it would, it would mean that something's wrong right? and something might be wrong with you and your relationship. And it's easier to just go through with it. Um, and it, it quote unquote easier to go through with it, but it's, it, right. it's not. In and the, the divorce run. and, mm-hmm. um, just the, just the, the heaviness of that, of the wounds that are already there. So for me, emotional virtue, my ministry is just, it's basically a love fest called, I want to love on you and I want to set this firm foundation so that you can take on anything so that you can take on anything the Lord throws at you, that anything the world throws at you, mm-hmm. anything that is coming your way in a relationship, whether it be friendship with the, with women, friendship with men, relationships, uh, death, sadness, ugliness down the road, children, like raising kids. Like you said, in a relationship, what does virtue look like? What's having your heart ordered and, and whole I mean, it's, it's a lifelong, it's a lifelong battle, man. And it is hard. Mm -hmm. And as someone that's married, been married 13 years, love my life, you know, I have four crazy, fantastic, adorable kids. Um, but yeah, the emotional life is always part of your life. You know, that feeling of like, dude, I am just not cutting it. Like I, you know, the devil loves to twist, to twist the truth about who we are. And to get us divided out and to isolate us so we can pick us off. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when you start feeling isolation, this is a word that I want to speak to to the women in, you know, that are listening to this podcast is um, if you feel alone and isolated and if you feel like he's trying to divide you out, the devil's trying to divide you out and he's twisting truths, um, you've got to call that out for what it is, which is attack. Mm-hmm. And you have to say, this is not the voice of the Lord. This is not where the Lord wants me because I feel isolated. Right. And the Lord wants you so firmly plugged into him and into a community and into friendships and into your, you know, your family life. And like, he wants you with a strong community to really work through life. And that is so much harder, easier said than done. Mm-hmm. That is so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want the women out there to hear, you know, it, the Lord, the, the devil works in secrets and lies. Yep. So he, if there's something that's in your life, that's a secret that you don't want anyone to know if you're struggling with sorting out lies from the truth about yourself or about life or about the church, you better believe he's sniffing around. Mm-hmm. You better believe he's trying to set up some obstacles for you. Mm-hmm. And you just stand him and you stare him down and you say, back up. 
Yeah. Like, I mean, you just, you really call that out Amen. and I get real, I get real edgy and passionate about it, obviously, but you know, <laughs> you just stare down with him and you say, right. I am the boss of my thoughts. Like I, the Lord wants me to hear the truth and I'm not going to listen to your lies mm-hmm. and I'm going to put you in your place, which is out of my life. Yep. And, Amen. and, and, and just really, I just want to really encourage the women out there. Um, emotional virtue, it really is a battlefield of your mind mm-hmm. and in the battlefield of your heart and letting the Lord redeem and really transform your life from the inside out. Amen. And I just really want the women out there to hear me say that because I struggle with it. I mean, I know you struggle with it and mm-hmm. we all struggle with it. Yep. And it's like the big deep dark secret that like everyone's okay. Everyone's fine. You know, at SLS in my talk, um, at SLS this year, I said, Fine. A girl told me one time, fine actually stands for freaked out, insecure, nervous, and exhausted. Yep. And I, I wrote it down in the middle of our, our conversation. I was like, that is fantastic. That is gold. And I said it from stage because I was like, especially with leaders, you know, people who in their life are seen as a leader, you know, with their, with their friend group or with their Catholic group, or, you know, I'm sure a lot of your girls that are out there listening and women that are out there listening that people look to them, right? right? Like people are looking right. to you. You're the strong Catholic. You're the girl that's got it all together. You know, and like people will say that to me they're like, Oh my gosh, you're perfect life. I'm like lies. Huh. Like social media is lies. So, like we're all a mess. Right. right? Like, right. Um, and just to be able to stare that down and be like, no one's fine. I mean, I mean like no, everyone's going to say fine, busy. Right. I'm great. Everything's yep. good. But to be able to really embrace the fact that like, no, life is messy mm-hmm. and the devil is real and he mm-hmm. likes to attack mm-hmm. and he likes to mess with us. Right. Um, but to be able to like hold the cross up and say like, but like I've been saved and I have been redeemed and I am transformed Amen. through the blood of Christ. And like divine mercy is a huge devotion. To, I, I would love to tell all the women out there, like if you don't, if you don't know about divine mercy, uh, there's an app called divine mercy from the, the Marian fathers, go download it on your, on your app on, on the phone. Again, we're, re, we're going to redeem technology one app at a time. Right. Um, and so like, go, go read about divine mercy. St. Faustina will stalk your little heart and he, she, she just will, will love all over you. Yep. Um, and then, and the other one is right now I'm praying the novena. Um, I have a huge devotion to Our Lady Endure of Knots. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, if you don't know her, um, her name, her name is Mary. And <laughs> I would really encourage you guys to turn to our blessed mother and that, that, oh my gosh, like the, read everything you can on Our Lady Endure of Knots. She is, um, Mary will help you untangle the knots in your life. And, and, and again, transform them and heal them and redeem you mm-hmm. so that you can take on this battle in a whole nother light. And, and you're always going to be growing and you're always going to be battling and it, it can sound exhausting, but the freedom in living a life where you're rooted in the, in the firm conviction that you are a beloved daughter of God right. and you can take your wounds and you can present them to him and you can take your insecurities and you can present them to him and say, heal this, mm-hmm. transform this. Mm-hmm. Um, then you can look back on, on times in your life like I do and like you do too, I'm sure. And say, that was like, I never want to have to go through that again, but that was glorious, Lord, in the way that you transformed those wounds and the way that you brought me through into incredible healing where I can now turn and take that experience and help others heal. Right. And that's really where my ministry comes from. Mm-hmm. And just that I burn with the desire to help and to walk with people. And, you know, like I said, I'm a crazy lady. There's a lot out there and I just hope it helps. And yeah. Um, it's not articulate and it's not always eloquent and it, you know, again, it's usually, um, it's not always the way that I, you know, it's, it's not perfect, but, mm-hmm. um, I will do anything to help. And that's hopefully what the book emotional virtue will give, you know, people if they're looking for a, they, a lot of people call it the great restart button. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people have told me that like, I've read your book 
16 times, but it's where I go when I need to like hit the restart button. Like, like when your phone just kind of starts acting funky and you're like, I need a hard reset, right? Like when your computer is, is stalled and the screen won't move, you're like, dude, you need a hard reset. (laughs) And, um, and it's just a good reminder of like, I knew this, I know this Mm -hmm. Sarah speaks I speak nothing true. I'm a great thief. All great theologians are great thieves. They just steal from the saints, right? And so, like, I just am stealing from John Paul II, and yep. I steal from Fulton Sheen, and I steal from St. Thomas Aquinas, and I say, mm-hmm. how do we take these great truths and make them accessible to our 21st century drama? Right. And um, and that's really all that the Lord asks us to do is right. take the truth and apply it with love. And mm-hmm. uh, I try it in my own life. And, you know, we're all just a bunch of hot messes, but we're in it together. Yep. Amen. Amen. Sarah, this has mm-hmm. been so dang beautiful. Like, Thank you so much for like the way you live out your feminine genius, for encouraging other women to just tap into that, the feminine genius in their own lives. And yeah, for your time this morning, for taking time away from your the crazy mess of laundry and, and just spending oh, yeah. some time here. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really funny. You actually gave me a great gift because um, we just came back uh, from this three months of my husband teaching abroad in Italy. And um, it's been really interesting to kind of readjust. Uh, I had my world rocked and my life changed, Mm -hmm. you know, spiritually, emotionally. Uh, I think we walked 100 million miles like around (laughs) Italy. So physically as well, I'm exhausted. But being able to sit and talk with you uh, has been a great gift to me just because it, it helps when we share, when we share this stuff as women, when we share our lives, when we share our faith, uh, when we admit weakness and when we talk about our insecurities and we talk about the fact that we don't have it all together mm-hmm. and that social media isn't real mm-hmm. and, and not totally real life. Um, I mean, yeah, it has glimmers of, of it and it's great, but being able to be real with women and even if it's on Skype, like looking at you one-on-one or, or listening, letting women in on like these great, you know, secrets, which is like, dude, no one has it figured out. And everybody is just going, you know, I always say my only job in my life is to massage people's hearts to the Eucharist through the power of the confessional. Mm. And, um, Mm. like there's power in the confession, um, in the, in that confessional, it's where we go to, to let Jesus to speak to him and to let him speak truth into into our heart and to heal and to to forgive. And so I think that like just closing, closing thoughts on this fantastic podcast is, the firm awareness that when we are able to be vulnerable and we're able to look at the women in our lives and the people in our lives and say, I want to run. And these are the things I struggle with. And I want to be held accountable. Right. Like I, help me to battle this. Let's battle this together mm-hmm. to be able to do that. And then, and then while doing that, knowing that our, our gaze is always fixed on not only the love of Jesus Christ, but allowing him to gaze back at us. Right. And that is something that I really struggled with. And I, I, I struggle with it mm-hmm. because, you know, as women, we have to have it all together and we have to right. like, you know, uh, I lived the lie for years, especially in college of like, Lord, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to change that. I'm going to break up with him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lose 10 pounds. And then I'm going to present myself like the perfect Sarah to you. And mm-hmm. then you'll love me. And I, you know, I, I speak that from experience of like, that is so backwards. Right. Um, the Lord just says like, I want you to sit in my gaze yep. and I want you to not dodge me. I want you right. to not dodge my gaze. I want you, I don't want you to be distracted by thinking you need to, to do all these things to be loved by me. Right. It is just straight, you know, it, those are just straight lies from the devil. And the truth that I want the women to hear is, is like to massage, you know, to, to really massage those knots in your heart out, those kinks mm-hmm. in your heart where the, the, the hose is kinked and there's that grace is not flowing through because you've put a knot there. 
um, right. that says, I'm not worth it. I'm not enough. I'm damaged goods. I'm not lovable. I don't have it all together. Mm-hmm. The Lord wants to work that kink out and say, oh, let, let, let's let this mercy and grace flow, girl. Like, yep. just let it, let, like, sit here. Yep. And so a lot of times that takes going into the confessional and saying, right. this is what I'm not okay with you seeing. And this is, this is the secret and the lie. And this is the, this is the secrets and the lies that keep me from sitting in your gaze. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. and that, I mean, for me, that is, that is huge as women is being able in my own life to sit before the Lord in adoration or at mass. Um, and just really saying like, I am the neediest daughter of God. I am your neediest daughter of God. I cannot figure my life out for anything Lord, because <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I yep. just, I need you. I need yep. everything. Nothing I do can happen without you. And so I just, I really encourage your women to just let him love you and sit in that gaze in your mess Mm -hmm. uh, and turn to the other women in your life and and turn to the confessional and just go to the sacraments over and over and over again. That's what they're there for. Um, And really let him bless your life and let him through that, let him bless others because you're being real and you're being vulnerable and that is going to bless people. Yep. Uh, hiding behind those walls of fine, are, 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 it's just not where he wants you. Right. Amen. Amen. So beautiful. Thanks for listening to this podcast episode. I, when I interacted with Sarah back in 2015 at, at the seat conference, I sat down in my, my chair and I was like, oh, I would love to have coffee with this woman to hear her story and chat with her about how the Lord's working in her life. And, and thank you, Jesus. Like, here we are three years later. And, and we just did that. We had our, I had my second cup of morning coffee with with Sarah Swafford. So I hope you enjoyed this this week's podcast. If you heard of anything that we kind of discussed in this podcast, whether it be Sarah's book, Emotional Virtue, to, to follow her on Instagram so you can see all the beautiful pictures from Italy that she posted, which made me want to visit Italy much sooner uh, to, to book a flight tomorrow. You can find all of that at the show notes on my website, which is oldfashionedgirlblog.com. If you have a few minutes, please take time to, to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. You can subscribe so you can get the content as soon as it's posted. And that's all I have for this week's episode. So until next time, dear sisters, be not afraid.